Hello, ladies. You are listening to Women Emerging Fearlessly. Did you know that four out of five women struggle with confidence and knowing who they are? This show is dedicated to helping women lead their lives with fearless confidence and to know how amazing they truly are. In this show, you will hear from women who are emerging fearlessly, who have overcome many obstacles to pursue their dreams and passions, and they will inspire you and encourage you to stand up, step out, and speak up. Be your authentic self and bring your true gifts to the world. My name is Janelle Anderson, and I am your host. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a great review and subscribe and share it with your friends. Enjoy the show. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Women Emerging Fearlessly. Today, I have as a guest, a wonderful, wonderful guest. Her name is Faye Fulton. She's the CEO and Chief Storytelling Officer of a boutique consulting firm specializing in business storytelling. Very interesting. She's got 22 years of experience delivering keynotes at conferences, association meetings, business events, and Faye delivers presentations that inspire professionals to better communicate the voice of their company and their products or their services and what they have to personally offer through strategic storytelling. So, so important and so interesting. Faye has spent two decades diving into the art and science of storytelling so she could help others find, craft, and perfect their stories. Hey, did you guys know that you each have a story? You probably have lots of stories to tell. So it's really, really cool to be able to dive into that. And Faye has a proven process for crafting and delivering stories that connect, influence, and get results. So a lot of you out there listening, if you are in business or you give presentations or you need to speak up in a meeting, you need to tune in and listen to what Faye has to share with you today. So welcome to my show, Faye. It's so great to have you on. Janelle, thank you so much for inviting me on as a guest. I enjoy talking to you so much. Yeah, we've been having fun offline for sure. So tell me a little bit about your background. Well, I am, as you mentioned, I am a keynote speaker. Now, my area of expertise is communication. So I've worked in that area in many different ways and many many different capacities. You know, I started out in the corporate world and I have to say it was never a good fit for me. It just was not. And I've had my own business now for 22 years as a keynote speaker. And I um, have niched my expertise. So today my niche is business storytelling. And that's the only area I work in these days. And I've niched it even further because I work with business storytelling exclusively with women. You know, women are very often allowed a voice today, but they're simply not heard. Oh boy, is that true? Now, the the female discrimination and being female isn't as strong today as it was when I started out in the corporate world, but it is still definitely there. It is definitely there and women feel it. And I run across this a lot in my own business with women who are in those positions and they still struggle with having confidence and speaking up, even when they're successful and have these positions of leadership and have proven themselves, they still can feel it. 
Yes, and here's a personal pet peeve of mine, and it happens to me all the time. Being called a girl. Oh, yeah. I passed girl decades ago. (laughs) And I, you know, I, I can't even tell you, like back when I was in the corporate world, so many times you'd hear, okay, men and girls meet in conference room A at 10. Oh, my goodness. Well, already, you know, you're in a, a demeaned position. Yeah. So I finally came up with an answer for that one. <laughs> my answer is, if you insist upon calling me a girl, I will insist upon calling you a boy. There you go. Instead of men and women, it was always men and girls. That's just a personal pet peeve. Well, one of mine is when men will say, honey, or sweetie, or something like that. <sighs> Like, I'm not your honey. I'm not your sweetie. You you walk into the conference room, but if you're addressed in that way, Mm -hmm. you're already in a diminished role. You are. You are. It's just unbelievable. Yes, it is. But anyway, so, um, but one of the things that I want to do always as a keynote speaker or when I work one-on-one with a client in their their business story is what I want to do is I want to be a catalyst of change. So I can, I can inject my skill set and help them with their story, but to transform, they have to do all the work themselves. Right. But I can be the catalyst. I can share information with them, which of course I do with my keynote speaking, but it's completely up to them what they do with that information. Yes, that is so true. That's true. So what caused you to become interested in business storytelling? Well, Janelle, I had a fantastic childhood. I wouldn't trade mine with anyone else in the world. Mm. I had the great fortune of growing up in Italy. Wow. And I will always be much more Italian than I'll ever be American (laughs) because that's where I came out into the world. Mm. Okay. And what was so wonderful, actually growing up in Italy saved my life in quite a few different ways. But I was so fortunate because I actually had two families and I really needed my other family. You know, I had my American family. Now I moved to to Italy. My father is a big muckety muck, (laughs) way up on the corporate ladder in Texaco. And so he had this fabulous opportunity to head the Marine Department, the European Marine Department for Texaco. And that's why we moved to Italy. Thank heavens. <laughs> anyway, so I moved there before I turned six. And growing up, my parents are um, just Caucasian parents. And what I'm saying is they weren't touchy-feely. They never talked about feelings. And I craved, I needed that. They never, I, I can't even remember them hugging me. And the other thing that I really, really had trouble with growing up with is they talked at me. They never talked with me. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have conversations, but it was like, have you done your homework? <laughs> you know what time dinner is. Be home by this time. You know, we're going to leave tomorrow early. So, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But when I asked why, if I had a question, the answer I usually got is because I said so. You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. Right. So I I craved it. I craved that kind of talking with someone. Right. Anyway, so what happened was with my other family, it was just one person, but thank heavens for her. I still think about her every single day. She was actually a contessa. 
Oh, wow. And I don't know if you've ever been to Europe. Have, have you been to Europe? I have not ever been to Europe. Oh, you've got to go. Well, like most major cities in Europe, um, people live in high-rise apartment buildings. And that's what we did. So we had like the penthouse floor. But in my building on the third floor was the Contessa. And when I met her, she was a retired opera singer. She was a famous opera singer in Europe, but retired. And after she retired, she acquired that, that disease where you don't want to leave your home. You can't walk out your front door. I think it's agoraphobia. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I think that's the correct name. Anyway, so when I met her, she would often be out on her balcony. And that's how I met her. She never left her apartment, but she was out on her balcony. And the Europe of back then, when I grew up in the 60s, is so different than the Europe of today. There were very, very, very few Americans who lived in Europe. So I was like the enigma. You know, I was now the American child because I was a huge tomboy. I was always outside and I always was social. I wanted to meet everybody. But I was the only American in my neighborhood. Wow. So everybody knew me. And when I moved in, you know, the word spread. Oh, there's an American girl. So she had heard that and she was interested. But anyway, we met when she was on her balcony and I'm on, on the ground. But she took me under her wing. She had never had children of her own. And she treated me like I was her own daughter. We developed a very, very special relationship. And she is the woman. She's the person who taught me about life. Uh, she taught me so many things. She taught me about cooking, about song, about architecture, about fabrics, about color. I mean, she, you know, uh, la dolce vita. Hmm. And she talked to me. When I asked her a question, she would sit down and explain it. So she really taught me about how the world works. And I just did not get that from my parents. And don't get me wrong. I adore my parents. I love them. But it wasn't what I needed. Um, so anyway, so that's, I just had an incredible childhood. Well, the Contessa, all of her friends were also performers, you know, actors, singers, musicians. And because she never left her apartment, they came to visit her. Well, that means I was exposed to them. Nice. It was just sensational. So all of these people from all different countries, all over the world, all different cultures, all different backgrounds, I've always been exposed to diversity. And they were all great storytellers. So you can imagine. I mean, I was just in heaven. They were just fabulous. And that's where I initially got interested in storytelling. Wow. What a story. And what an incredible childhood. Yeah, live storytellers. Oh, book. my God. That would be amazing. Yes. And of course, they told stories about their country, yeah. about their culture. So I learned so much. Just, you know, my eyes were just saucers all the time. I was just so fascinated. I still am. I speak three languages. I love culture. One of my passions is historic architecture. Well, because of where I grew up, I, I just, I love it. <laughs> I'll drive miles just to see a historic building. I mean, I'm that passionate about it. <laughs> but then, okay, so, you know, this was my everyday world. And when we lived in, um, in Palermo, the mafia capital of the world, hmm. Palermo, we would go on vacation every other year because my father would save up his vacation time. So when we went on vacation... We had uh, like two months of vacation wow. and we would always come to the United States. We would visit my grandparents, either my father's parents, my mother's, or maybe both in the same year. So I was eight years old when I met my papa, my mother's father. We called him papa. And, you know, of course, 
he knew me as an infant before we moved to Sicily, but I, I didn't remember any of that. So I actually remember him meeting him when I was eight. Well, he was retired by then and he was a very creative person like myself. My parents are not creative in any way, but I'm a very creative person. And my grandfather, what he did all day after his retirement is he wrote stories. Now, his stories were very, very different than the Contessa's stories and all the other people that I was dealing with story in Palermo. My grandfather walked around all day long with a notebook. And it was one of those notebooks that had the spiral at the top. Right. And all day long, he wrote stories. Mm -hmm. But his stories had a special little twerk to them. His stories had to rhyme. And in Palermo, we didn't talk anything about rhyming. It wasn't even involved in stories. But his stories had to rhyme. So Papal and I spent hours, hours finding the perfect word, the perfect sentence structure. So we worked on his stories together. And my sisters weren't interested in this in any way. But then every night after dinner, we were still at the dining table. After we finished eating, Papa would tell us the story he had written that day. And most of them were just hilarious. They were wonderful. So that just reinforced my love of story. Really, I've always been involved in story. Yeah, you grew up with it. That sounds just so amazing and wonderful for a child just to be exposed to all of that, especially somebody like you who is creative anyway, to have that kind of woven into your childhood, just growing up around story. It's probably just a part of who you are, I would imagine. Yes. You know, and, and Italians are so demonstrative. Right. They hug and they kiss you. My parents didn't do any of that. And I can't talk without my hands. You know, I'm just so much more Italian than I'll ever be American. And that's fine. You know, you are who you are. Yes. <laughs> like I said, I'm just so, so I've always, because of the Contessa, I have always so strongly believed in mentors. I still have a mentor today, but now I'm able to give back. I'm a mentor and it's just so fulfilling but I truly believe, especially as a child, mm -hmm. we need mentors. We do. And what I mean specifically is I really think it's important for children to have a different perspective of the world than simply their parents' perspective. So I was so fortunate in that way, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, the old apprenticeship, I guess some people still do have apprenticeships, but that used to be a model. And it was such a great model to train up a young person into a trade or whatever, to have that apprenticeship or that mentor that could teach them and, and have hands-on types of experiences uh, yes. just to see the world, like you're saying, in a different way. And I think that does have a lot of value. I grew up in just in America, you know, and, and we had a big family. Uh, we moved a lot. My dad was in the Navy. Uh, I can't say we were exposed to a lot of culture, though. And I think that might be one reason why... I would love to go overseas, but it's kind of like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of, it's the unknown. You know, I did go to Haiti a couple of times. That was my only oh. exposure to a different culture. And it was mind blowing for sure. Well, yes, I, I understand that. Um, we lived in Palermo for over 10 years. And then when I was 16, my father got another big promotion mm. and we moved to a completely different part of the world. So we moved to Trinidad. Wow. In the Caribbean. I know. How cool <laughs> talk, is that? About, talk about a shocker. I mean, they drive on the wrong side of the road in Trinidad. <laughs> you know, everything was different. But it was the only time in my entire life that I've ever given a hissy fit. When my father told me at 16, we were leaving Palermo. Aww. And what I did not want to leave the most 
was the Contessa. Oh, I, bet. I thought, how am I going to make it without her? Oh, you know, we need mentors. Yeah. How, and I knew I couldn't find it. There's no other person on that's like the Contessa. I was so concerned about that. But before I stepped foot on Trinidadian soil for the very first time, I was looking at my next mentor. It was just meant to be. Wow. And I know, I still think about that all the time. So there he was, there he was. And my father, you know, I, as I mentioned, he was real high up in the corporate ladder. Well, his new position in Trinidad came with a villa, a limousine, a chauffeur, and a yacht. Wow. Well, I, I mean, I've never had a job like that. That was, that's just, that was where his perks. Can you imagine that is perks? But he did not tell us. He moved to Trinidad about two months before we did. We were still in school. So we waited until the school year ended that year. And then we all flew over. My mother, my two sisters and me. Well, my mother was the kind of person who was always interested in what the Joneses thought. You know, so he knew that she would just be so impressed and just be thrilled with all those perks. He didn't tell us. But my next mentor turned out to be my father's chauffeur. Oh, wow. And you, you know, it was back then when you didn't get off a plane by walking through a jet bridge. They wheeled up a huge set of stairs mm -hmm. to the plane, you know. So you'd stand on the platform of that stair and you could look down and there was my father and standing next to him was his chauffeur, my new mentor. Wow, how cool. He was just right there for me. Oh, that was beautiful. Wow, well, you're can you such imagine? a great storyteller. I'm just sitting here like listening. <laughs> but thank heavens, yes. he was there for me. Yeah. And he was. And again, he was a father of seven. And he treated me like I was another one of his daughters. He was just amazing. I know. So I know. When I, when I think back about that, I just, how did that happen? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just hearing like we could be taking away from this, uh, even though we are in positions or leading businesses or owning our own business and trying to promote it and trying to get ourselves out there and trying to develop ourselves, but I hope everybody's hearing this, that as women, especially women over 40, over 50, over 60, you have this unique opportunity to pour into young people's lives. So what I'm hearing is like, I need to be looking for those young people that I could mentor and be open to that. Because it sounds like these two people were so open to, you know, seeing young people that they could pour into. It'd be easy to just it would have been easy for both of them to just sort of, oh, well, there's a kid, you know, and not, right. but they must have had this special antenna or something like, oh, here's, here's somebody that I could really pour into. Here's somebody I could mentor. And maybe they didn't even think of it that way. It was just there that they wanted to take you under their wing and teach you some things. So that's a huge yeah. takeaway. That's what I'm taking away is like, you know, who are those younger people in our lives that need us, you know? Yeah, you know, when we're young, we need so much guidance in so many areas. And, you know, every time I'd ask a question at home and the answer is because I said so, I was just so unsatisfied with that. It's like, no, I really want to know. I, I want to find the answer. Yeah, children are like sponges, you know, they're, yeah. they're wanting to learn. They're curious. And that's what we need to do as adults is go back to being curious and kind of revive that natural curiosity that we had as children how you learn and grow and find out more and how to develop your own your own gifts is to be curious so oh yes and I think one of the best things that we can get is our way isn't the only way mm -hmm. 
there are so many different ways to solve a problem. There's so many different background advantages, whatever, but to find the different ways, yeah. you know, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, my culture doesn't solve the problem the way yours does, but tell me how you do it. Right. It's just so, so intriguing and so fascinating. I've always been interested in that. Well, there's so many yeah. perspectives out there and we can, especially in our country, you know, become so polarized by this one perspective. And if we can step back and open up our minds to realize that the lenses I'm looking through are just mine, but there's all these other ways of looking at the world and things that I could learn from and grow from and have a more interesting life. I mean, it doesn't mean I have to agree. I can just listen and hear and grow and appreciate you know. Yeah, no, certainly there's nothing wrong with disagreeing, yeah. but many people think of it that way. They do. No, we, yeah. we can agree to disagree, but, but yeah. tell me about your perspective. Exactly. And how much more interesting and rich of a world if, if we are open to hearing other people's perspectives and how they see the world. You know, if we all thought the same way, it'd be pretty boring. Oh, <laughs> you know? Gosh, wouldn't it? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would not want to live in a world like that. So what other ways has that experience made you who you are today? And especially, you know, what you do for a living with your storytelling and, you know, what impact has that had on who you are, how you show up in the world? I think it's that childhood Mm. that I was so fortunate to have. Mm -hmm. You know, we lived in Italy. We traveled extensively throughout Europe, which was, you know, so easy to do. You know, the countries are so close together. Right. And I was exposed to so many different cultures and different beliefs. And then, of course, the Contessa with all of her friends. And all of that has always impacted me. You know, diversity has always been a part of my life. I I can't imagine, you know, today we talk a lot about inclusive, being inclusive. I can't imagine not doing that. Right. But that's my life. You know, that's that's my world. Mm -hmm. You know, many of my friends in Palermo, because it's so close to... Africa, were African. You know, they wear the, those huge, beautiful, really bold color headdresses and come in their full African. Oh my God, I was so fascinated by that. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, a lot of Italians did not appreciate that. You know, it, that wasn't the way Italians dressed. I was just always fascinated with mm-hmm. diversity. So that I think has been such a huge component of who I am today. And enjoying my area of communication, really, Mm -hmm. really having a conversation, getting to know that person, the connection. And that's what storytelling does. In fact, it took me a while, but for my business, my storytelling business, my tagline, you know, it all has to do with business storytelling. My tagline for my business is move beyond content to connection. Ooh, I love that. Thank thank you. Yes, yes. Perfect. Thank you so much because it took me a while to come up with it, but oh, I am very proud of it. That is what story allows us to do. We can yes. connect. Yes. So how do you help women that you work with who are maybe CEOs or business owners to begin to tell their stories and incorporate that into their presentations or wherever they're speaking? How do you help them with that? Well, first of all, it's very unfortunate but first of all, when I start working with, with any professional with business storytelling, because, you know, that is a very different way to handle stories. It's so different than getting up to entertain people by telling a story. Mm-hmm. 
But in the business world, we have to work with stories strategically. That's a huge component. But I find that I say unfortunate because over the last five years, the words story and storytelling have become buzzwords in the business arena. That's true. It has not. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've yes. heard it a whole lot more in business era, uh, arenas than I have. I had before that. I have a friend who's a professional storyteller. Um, and until recently, that was always something for entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I've been working a story for decades, well before it was a buzzword, and I'll be working with it well after it's my passion. But it's unfortunate. We hear the word story constantly now, but people just do not understand what story actually is. And I am constantly astounded at what people are calling story. Mm. And it, it doesn't have anything to do with story. It doesn't even come close to being story. These people are simply calling it story. So I understand the confusion because most people started understanding and working with story when they were children. Right. You know, their parents would read them a story to put them to sleep. So because it's so familiar to us, we think we know it. Almost every professional I work with, they think they understand story until they try to write one. (laughs) And then they're in that overwhelmed place. Oh my God, what do I do? Well, of course, that's where my skill set comes in. But it's very unfortunate that right now story and storytelling are buzzwords because people are just, just seem to be nothing but confused and they're not using story correctly. It's not even story. So when I work with these women, the first thing I have to do is take them through that educational curve. I have to be certain they understand what story is. Right. So a lot of times I'll start by telling what story is not. You know, it's not a list of bullet points. You know, it's not a two-line sentence under the picture of every person on your team. But people will call that story. It's just amazing. So I have to, I start by making it very clear what story is. And then there are different types of stories that professionals need to be telling today just to be competitive. So I will educate them on the different types of stories. And then the woman that I work with one-on-one, you know, not when I'm telling a, or not when I'm giving a speech as a keynote speaker. Although I do want to share with you because it's something that fulfills me, the type of speaker I am, I am content heavy. I am giving speeches about business storytelling. So I leave my audience with so much information. But again, you know, as I said before, the way I approach my speaking and how I can help as a speaker is as a change agent. I will give you the information. Yes. You have to do something with that information. And you're going to need a lot more. I'm getting you interested because I can only share so much in a one hour speech. Sure. But I love what I do. Yeah. So Um, So we talk about the different stories, but for a business story, that professional will have a reason to tell the story. You know, it's so different than getting up and trying to get people to laugh to entertain them. So we have to work strategically. So I go through quite a bit of a learning curve to educate them. And then we will find the story. And I, I find that most people really struggle right out of the gate because they'll say, tell a story. I don't have any stories. Right. That's what most people say. Yes. <laughs> I don't have any so stories. true. But we do have and so I, many. Yeah, I understand that. Of course, we all have plenty of stories. But I understand that because it, to them, it was just their life. They lived through it. It wasn't a story. Yeah. But so I have to help them. And I have exercises I bring them through to, to bring that story to the forefront of their memory. Because we all have plenty of stories. Sure. But... 
here's the other thing. <laughs> it has to be a story worth telling. Yes. There are so many stories that are uninteresting and not worthy of being repeated. You know, so there, there are all these factors, but that's where my skill set comes in. You know, if you need a business story, you need a coach, a mentor, get one. If, yes. if that's not your area, you know, we do that in all sorts of areas. Yeah. I'm not a financial person. I am not going to work on my taxes. I hire an expert. Exactly. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not so uninterested in taxes, but here's my area of expertise. You know, this is how I can help the team. So yes, it's, it's quite, uh, quite an educational curve, but I love that because I start to see the light bulb go off. Yeah, you know, you yeah. get the information and you can do so much with that. So to wrap up, I think this has been a fascinating conversation and just to kind of wrap it up and put a pretty bow on it. What would you say to women, business owners, CEOs, people that have been listening that are thinking, Hey, I don't have any stories. What would be maybe one thing they could start to do to find some stories those will come, you know, once they start thinking about story, they'll be popping into their memory. You know, they're going to have to sit down and think about it because it's going to have to be a story appropriate to the message they need to be understood. You know, it's not about getting your message across. Most people say, I just want to get my message across. It's not about that. It's getting your message understood. Oh, yeah. And there is a huge difference. Yes. Story helps with that because it can illustrate. It can be like a metaphor. And it, all of a sudden in people's minds, they're like, oh, now I get it. Once you use that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, story is so powerful in so many ways. And there, there's just so many reasons it's powerful. So, But what I, what I share is when people are starting to work on story, mm-hmm. they they realize they need stories, you know, whatever their role is in the business world, but now they need some help here. I always encourage them to work on their vocabulary because storytellers need a vivid vocabulary. And most people do not even have a strong vocabulary. True. <laughs> the thing is, people, again, because we're all familiar with story, we think we know it. But to craft, create a great story, it takes a whole lot of skills. You're going to have to be skilled in many different areas. I mean, crafting a story is exceedingly different than telling the story. Those are two completely different skill sets. But you need an awful lot of skills. There's a huge difference between a story, a good story, and a great story. And for you in the business world, that for anyone who needs help in this area, your story will always impact your reputation. Mm. I always assume that when you come to me to work on a story, you are interested in an exemplary story. And that's what we work toward. Yes. Yeah. Great. And I'm sure everybody can think of probably at least one person, a speaker that they've heard that's told an exemplary story that just like captivated you and made the whole presentation or whatever they're presenting, whatever their topic is, whatever their main key points are, just come alive and you never forget them. I mean, that's the kind of story I want to tell. Exactly. Yes. And it does take craft. It's not easy. <laughs> I'm learning well, that and, myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and you just said one of the key words, you've got to captivate your listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, honey, if, if you think that's easy, I mean, just for, that is so difficult to do. But yes, those great stories, you remember them. You do. And that's what all of these professionals will want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because story yeah. can capture your emotion and your 
your imagination so much better than just going through a list of bullet points and just giving information. It makes it possible for the person to grab a hold of it and use it in their lives and because it just makes so much more sense. It's, it's activating the right side of the brain or the side of the brain where the imagination lives and color and all of that instead of just logic sequence, you know, one thought after another. We've got to use the whole brain and activate the whole brain of the listener so they can remember it. That is so true. See it in their minds and feel it and, you know, all of it. Yeah. Over the last 10 years, neuroscience mm -hmm. has found out so much about the brain and storytelling. Right. And I always share that information with, with my clients, with my audiences. There's a reason, mm -hmm. but not just one. There are many reasons, yeah. neurological reasons, why story is so powerful. So that's part of the educational journey I, I bring people through. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It is fascinating. But I love neuroscience. It's yes, fascinating yes. what we've learned about our brains and how that all works. It's uh, constantly something I'm reading about. I'm, I'm a nerd that way. <laughs> and you mentioned emotion. That's one of the strongest reasons storytelling is so powerful. It includes emotion. Right. So when people are calling a two-line sentence under the photograph of someone under their team a story, it's not anywhere near story. But it won't always be a buzzword. You know, it's going to pass. Yeah. And the other thing is, uh, it's another educational component, is storytelling, marketers latched onto storytelling to sell. That's not the way I work with story. That's not the reason to bring story into your business. It's the connection. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a marketer. I'm not a brander. And we do not tell stories to sell people things. There are so many ways to use story, but that's not it. Mm. You know, today we do business with people we like, know, and trust. Right. It's back to the connection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's back to building relationships. Yeah. And that's the way I educate the professionals I work with. This is how we want to use story. Yeah. That's so important. Right. Well, this is all right. fascinating. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. I could sit here and listen to you all day. You're a fantastic storyteller. You're um, so dear. <laughs> so if any w women would want to work with you, I know you work one-on-one. -on -one. What would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, there's several ways to find me. You can certainly find me on LinkedIn, just you know, under my name, Faye Fulton. Okay. You can go to my website, which is fayfulton.com, just my name again. And it's F-A-Y-E, Fulton, like Robert Fulton in the steamboat.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And you can also find me on Instagram. On Instagram, it's fayfulton underline speaker. But I want to share this with you because on Instagram, I'm always sharing a lot of tips and information about business storytelling. Oh, great. So that. That first thing that I usually start talking about with people is to work on your vocabulary. So I'll share that if you're following me on Instagram, every Tuesday, I share a vocabulary word with my definition of the word. Oh, nice. And that's a storytelling technique. Okay. So it's not a definition you'll find in any dictionary. <laughs> a storytelling technique, one of them is instead of using the word, you give your listeners your definition of the word. Oh, so it's, it's an excellent technique. Oh. So just, just a tip, if you're following me on Instagram, you'll get a lot of information about I'm business. I'm really intrigued. I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I, need oh. to, I definitely need to work on my vocabulary, storytelling vocabulary. Well, great, because Janelle, you just filled my heart. 
that is me being a change catalyst. Yes. This is what I'm talking about as a keynote speaker. You have to do it, Mm -hmm. but I can put that spark in your head. Yes, because we don't know what we don't know. So that's what you can tell us. Oh, so true, isn't it? But it's just one area. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love your expertise. I love your stories. I love what you're doing in the world. Thank you so much for coming and being a guest on my show today. Well, I really appreciate it. And I have so enjoyed spending time with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. You're welcome. And it was a joy and a pleasure. So everyone, I hope you got tons of stuff out of this. And until next time, go out there and be fearless and be confident and be you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got a lot out of it that will help you on your journey to becoming fearlessly confident. If you would like to know how to work with me to help you to become fearlessly confident, just email me, Janelle at EmergingLifeCoaching.com. You can also go to my website. There's lots of great resources on there, including a free mini course called Be Confident, Be Real, Be You. It's a three video course with downloadable action guides that will definitely help you to get on this journey to becoming fearlessly confident. My website is EmergingLifeCoaching.com. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be fearless, be confident, and be you.